Hey there, welcome to the More Civil Podcast. My name is Mo. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes and build community around important issues. On this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured on this platform are by people whose journey I'm inspired by, and most importantly, people who have been courageous and vulnerable to be open about their life stories. And I hope that in turn, you'll find these stories inspiring. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. And my name is Mo. For those who are just joining for the first time, welcome to the podcast. I love having this space to share stories. And today happens to be one of those few times where I do my monologue series. If you're yet to subscribe to the podcast, please go on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, even Amazon Music now. I'm on Spotify. So we are on Spotify. Yes, we, because this is our platform. We're also available in other places like Spreaker, Anchor. And so go, go, go subscribe. And one of the ways to also make the podcast known is to share with your friends and families. So if you're yet to do that, please go on over and share with your friends. What am I going to be talking about today? I think two things. But let's see how I go with the first one. But the first thing I would like to talk about is gratitude. And I know it's a word we've thrown around. It's really tr- easily thrown around these days, you know. Have a gratitude journal, practicing gratitude, meditating, you know, be grateful. But I really want us to soak in that word. And I'll be drawing some examples from my life, as always, you know. Um, so what about gratitude? I heard it said one time that one of the, I'm paraphrasing, you know, that the cure, one of the cures for the ills of life is to practice gratitude, maintaining an, a position of attitude, of sorry, of gratitude rather. And it's not really about when you get what you want that you practice it. I think it should be like a running theme in one's life, almost like that background noise or the engine running in the background. Of just being grateful because there's always something to be thankful for if you could if you could do that perspective change so really it's that's the simplicity of my message today is to remind anyone listening to this when last did you like sit in that moment to just practice some act of being grateful for one thing you have going for you fine it's possible that you're currently in the dumps right now and even the sound of my voice is probably making you want to turn off the device you're listening to me on but just before you go on your way i'd like for you to you know take a moment in and just practice some thankfulness about one thing that you have going for you no matter how bad things are going for you i'm not gonna take away from your experiences i think there's always something to be thankful for one of the things i'm learning now is to just you know, keep being thankful, regardless of what's going on, regardless of what's not even working well for me. And I find that the more I do it, the more I tend to be able to overcome a lot of what is bothering me. Like, I, I tend to overcome those things faster. And I think even more now than ever, given this whole lockdown and semi-lockdown or whatever situation we might be in, you need to do that more often than not. My birthday is coming up in a couple of weeks, and 
usually I spend well way back in the days when I say way back a couple of years ago birthdays were they make me down they make me I feel very down on my birthdays not because you know I don't have friends to celebrate with me not that there was just something about birthdays that made me depressed probably was the ticking of the clock and having that feeling of not accomplishing all that I wanted to do but I've since you know changed from that kind of stance and and when I say I'm looking forward to my birthday this year you should believe that and it's a day that's going to come and go you know regardless I'm still going to be excited right but I'm especially thankful because I mean God has been so good to me this year I've had some really bad experiences, you know, happen to me this year. I mean, some I haven't really talked about on the show. I've had some things, you know, going in my life that I shouldn't be this happy person. And I'm not trying to maintain, like, a happy facade to kind of, like, mull through all the things I'm going through. No. I genuinely am thankful because I've learned to ditch whatever perfect, picture-perfect life I had planned for myself. I've learned to ditch that and just go with the flow. And with the flow, I mean with whatever God's plans are for my life. I started the first, the beginning of the year, literally on the 9th of January, undergoing a major surgery to get rid of, you know, a lot of stuff that was accumulated in my body. And I could have died from that surgery. How I survived, it has to be God. I mean, I didn't go in there, you know, signing my death away i kind of like put my life into order you know i had my advanced directives i did a video of my wheel and all that kind of stuff t-dog didn't like that right away but i had to make him sit down feel me and you know talk about what was going to happen to me where my property should go and things like that i was ready but a part of me was hoping i would survive because i didn't want to die obviously but i survived and and that was good not just good. That was great. And I feel so much better now. You know, I mean, I had to go through a lot of the postological issues and, you know, learning how to do stuff again, not exerting myself too much. And then the wound, wound healing was, you know, also very, some traumatic incidents with that. Whereas I had to go back into the theater again, had the stitches, they had to cut me back again and stitch me back again and, like it, I, I didn't have like general anesthesia during the second time so it had to be local and by the time they came to the spot the stuff had worn off and apparently I'm a rapid metabolizer of, you know of lidocaine which was the anesthetics I was using me it was just I felt like I was in a scene of a horror movie a cheaply made horror movie and my life was just ebbing away I was in so much pain but that was January and this is September right and I think about everything that's happened between then and now. To say that, and all I can just say is, I really thank God for my life. When I was a lot younger, 30 was a was an age that I didn't think I could make. Now, I wasn't a societal child by any you know means or measures. There was just something about death that I had romanticized. I had this fear growing up, which I really didn't articulate to a lot of people around me. I don't think I ever told anybody about this, except my husband when I just met him, and he thought I was really weird. I didn't think I was going to make it past 30. 
And so I had always lived my life trying to rush through things and getting things done because I felt like my time I was going to run out soon. Why I picked that random age of 30, I have no idea. I don't know where I heard it from. I don't know where I got it from, but I imbibed that that inside of me and I thought I wasn't going to live past 30. So every year past 30, which is going to be the fourth year of my 30th anniversary coming up soon, I'm excited because death has no hold on my, over my life. And regardless of what's going to happen, you know, as a Christian, I believe that death is not the end, right? And so enough about death. I'm talking about gratitude. Another big update I'd like to share, which goes into fear and doing things that make you afraid, is, so while I was in Nigeria, when I knew I was coming to the U.S. to pursue an advanced degree, there was a promise I made to myself that I was going to find a way to convert my license. I knew I didn't want to practice pharmacy, not like really. It was, I, I had, I felt like I had done it, done it, dusted, you know, and that was it. But I just promised myself that, hey, make sure you at least get your license. And if you don't know this, having to have your license converted in the U.S. takes a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of processes that, oh my gosh, it's just so prohibitive. Having to, like, dig out my transcripts. I went through a diploma in the, in, the, in the university, so I had to do a first-year diploma before I transitioned into you know, pharmacy school. And so having to get all my transcripts from Unilag, which was the school I finished from, University of Lagos, and all of the seven circles of health dentist out that I had to go through. And then having my transcripts evaluated by ECE, an independent body here in the US, and submitting all of that, and then applying for the stuff, getting my letter of good standing from the pharmacy body in Nigeria to ensure that I wasn't like a, a pharmacist that had like a criminal background and all that kind of stuff. And then you do that and then you get like the authorization to go write your FPGE, which is a foreign pharmacy graduate equivalency examination. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that exam, it wasn't very clinical. It was just basic knowledge, but it had so many elements to it and it had no head nor tail. But I studied for it. I passed. And then after the FPGE, I had to wait about six, eight weeks to get my results back. My results came out in November, late, late November, dear about, and I passed. So I was very happy about that. And the next step was to write a TOEFL, right? Which is a test of English as a foreign language. And I stalled a little bit with that because, I don't know, I just... I didn't take it seriously. And so I went on. I finally said, okay, I was ready to take the TOEFL. And so I went on Pearson's website to look for a date. And of course, the only dates that were available left in the year, actually, this was sometime in December, I think, for second December, was, I think, three days' time. And that was going to be the last date for December. And I'll have to, like, write it in January or February. So guess what I did? I had like less than 48 hours to practice for the TOEFL, which I did. And if you've ever written these exams, you know that it's not really a test of how good you are about speaking English or writing English or 
you know, listening and all that kind of stuff. It's about, I, th- I just thought of it as a game. If you approach it like a game, how do you present yourself to win a game, right? Because the way you present in TOEFL, you don't, nobody talks that way. Nobody goes like, oh, um, so why, why is your best food plantains? My best food is plantains for three reasons. First reason, he had a two point other, like who talks, if you had a friend that talked the way you presented in TOEFL, you stop being friends with them right now. So once I learned the trick, I just calmed myself down, did some practice questions, timed myself because timing was very big because I, sometimes I tend to talk, talk very long and some of the questions you had to talk for 45 seconds and then two minutes. Anyways, I passed the TOEFL, right? And done, dusted. And then you had to apply to the Board of Pharmacy within your state to get your authorization to write the clinical exams. But before then, because I live in Oklahoma, you are required to undergo a thousand hours of your clinical, like a thousand hours of intern hour, a thousand intern hours, which was going to be problematic. Now, while I work in a school of pharmacy, a college of pharmacy, I have a full time job, right? There was no way I could, you know, get it done without having to like go after work and then find a place that could take me. But I thank God. I found two places, a nuclear pharmacy place, and then um, a, a, a specialty pharmacy for um, long-term care for those that were dying, like palliative care. And that really worked well with my schedule. I got all my hours done, and then it was time to write the final exam, which was an NAPLEX. Oh my goodness, the National Pharmacy Licensure Examination. podcast is going mainstream and that there are many people all over the world listening to podcasts daily for example in the u.s alone one in every three persons listen to at least one podcast every month well that's a lot of people do you also know that podcast listeners tend to be more loyal affluent and educated Speaking of these retro qualities, did you also know that on a monthly basis, thousands of people all over the world listen to the Mossable podcast? Hmm. Well, do you have a business, service, event, or product you would love loyal, affluent, and educated listeners to hear about? Then look no further. To promote your services on the podcast, send an email to talktomo at mossable.com today. Or you can visit our website at www.mossible.com. That is www.mosibyl.com. Many years before then, every time I heard about, you know, trying to congratulate, everyone talked about Netflix like it was this big thing. So unknowingly, I had harbored this fear about Netflix inside of me. And I have always been an excellent student, like, you know, and I'm not trying to brag about it. I've always been an excellent student. I have never failed an exam in my life. And I, when I take exams, I always should, you know, to, to take them excellently and score excellently. That's always been my modus operandi. But I realized that at this age, and given that I wasn't going to stop time, I wasn't going to stop my job and focus on the exams, I still had to, I, I, I still plan to, you know, um, study with an excellent mindset. But I, I, I finally realized that there was nobody I was going to prove a point to by saying I got a triple digit score in the exams. 
I told myself for the first time, it's okay to just pass. And I didn't get there by myself. Because my friend, a particular friend of mine who had taken the exam before me, she, she realized that I was stalling. I kept postponing. I never booked the exams. And she called me one day like, why haven't you booked your exams? Why haven't you taken it? And I'm like, you know, I'm just studying, but I don't think I've gotten, you know, to that threshold. I haven't reached my saturation point. And she goes, I know, I know the kind of person you are. You probably want to score, you know, a lot. Nobody, nobody, nobody's going to ever ask you what you're going to score in Aplex. Go ahead and write the exam. It's okay to just pass. And something just snapped in me. Like for the first time, the universe was granting me a pass. Like, it's okay. You don't have to like score like, you know, triple digits. And, you know, so the score is, is the minimum score you can get to pass is a seven to five. And the maximum you can score is, I think, 150 or so. So I, I did it and finally did it took a while to like I think July was when I actually sat down and created a plan and studied my butt off I will not lie to you I felt very insecure because a lot of the knowledge I was that was coming at me were things I haven't used in 12 years since I left pharmacy school I mean between then and now I've been to grad school got my master's got my PhD I use my brain a different way I don't try to recall information for like like facts I understand theories I understand bundle of facts but nothing like, you know, what is the dosing for that? What is the antidote for that? What is the mechanism of action for that? I haven't used that portion of my brain for a long time. But I really thank for a lot of my students. They were very helpful, yes. One of the perks of working in the pharmacy school is that I had access to students who were very helpful. They shared their study materials with me, gave me tips, and um, encouraged me a lot. I, I can't mention a lot of your names here, but you know yourselves. Thank you so much. Like without you I don't think I would have come this far so I wrote my exams last week September 11th and it was a six hour exam that's <laughs> something my mom taught me anytime I go to like you know interviews or exams is once I step my foot on the parking lot it's to just say a prayer and say I claim this like Jesus thing and, and and just you know pray over the place and take ownership of it that trick has never failed me but you have to study first it's not like magic I believe that God rewards, you know, hard labor and God rewards a lot of things that you've put, you've put the work in, right? But I knew that I wasn't going to rely on my knowledge alone. I was really looking forward to the favor from God to help me make sure that I did very well. And my husband, Tao, was not going to let me go off. He was, he just kept saying, you have to pass this exam. Like, if not, I'm going to just tease you, you know, badly. So there was that pressure from there. But I did it. I had less than an hour left to spare. It was a very, very weird exam. The questions sometimes I was like, I don't I never study this part of it. Because I read the whole book. I went through past questions. My pre-NAPLEX, which is like an assessment test you can take. I got like a triple digit on that one. So I felt good. Anyways, so the exam was on Friday. And then it takes about three business days for the exams to come out. Tuesday, I kept going to the website, refreshing like crazy. Nothing. I went to bed dreaming overnight, like I passed. But a part of me was just going like, what if I didn't pass? What if I didn't pass? And I legit started getting anxious. Like, I'll go on my phone every minute, just kept refreshing the damn browser. But yeah, my results came out yesterday, Thursday, and I passed. Now, I didn't get my triple digits, but I really passed. And so, and life just feels differently. Before I had this exam, you know, over my head, 
and insecurity and all the anxiety from it. But it's all gone. But even in those moments of anxiety and the fear that I had, I still kept thanking God because it was a privilege to be able to write the exams after all the hurdles I've had to go through. So all of this is just to encourage somebody out there. Like Whatever it is that is holding you back from reaching your goals, I'd like you to give yourself permission to go for it today. I hope my story encourages you listening that it's never too late. I still have one more exam left, which is like the law exam, the, the jurisprudence exams. And I have to learn about laws and ethics and DEA and the FDA and controlled substance, substances. So that should be fun. But I hope that you're encouraged to not let fear hold you back. And I think finally, one thing I want to also talk about is toxicity. Even though I said I had to stuff. So we've talked about gratitude. We've talked about fear. And the last part is toxicity. I know we talk about toxic friends, toxic people, toxic relationships, toxic marriages. But I'd like to shift the focus a little bit inwardly when you are the toxic person. And I'm going to put myself on the spot. Probably not going to be a nice thing to say, but let's be very honest here. So as some of you know, if you follow me or you listen to my episodes, I have been in therapy. I actually went in in May. I had a life event happen. And so I knew that I had to go into therapy. And I go in and out, you know, taking what I need and helping myself. Because I believe that it's okay to be in therapy. It's okay not to be okay. And I realized that I had some toxic behaviors, especially towards my spouse. And in that, I tended to be a bit manipulative at times. And as a child, I was abused as a child. And one of the things I learned was that as someone who has been abused, one of the things you're good at is actually manipulation, which sounds a bit counterintuitive because for you to have been taken advantage of as a very tender, naive person, you probably were manipulated by someone who, who you trusted, maybe an adult in your household or a neighbor or a family friend. So you then adopt the psyche of your abuser by being good at manipulation. And oh my goodness, talk about falling off your chair. Because I always thought of myself as this virtuous, righteous, full of justice person. And to have that, you know, um, I came at that conclusion myself. It wasn't like my therapist telling me. But I still triangulated it with her. And she said, it's possible you do have that. And so I have been putting myself on, on the examination chair recently. And a lot of things I found out that I was doing was... When it came to like arguments, there was a way I would manipulate myself out of it to always come out, you know, as the person with the best opinion or the person with the right opinion, even when it was clear that I wasn't, you know, right. I know that everything I'm saying right now is probably going to make me sound really horrible because being a victim of some sort, whatever it is you fall under, it doesn't mean that life should always give you that to like get away with everything if anything if you have been abused always put yourself in the position that you are very good at manipulating people around you and while I'm still trying to figure out just how to be more open about this and let Taiwan know that these are my tendencies and you need to watch out for this so you don't become you know bamboozled by me I also have to keep you know examining my heart and asking God to help me out because 
I don't want to end up being an abuser. And it's not like, you know, I'm hating my spouse or anything, but I can, I tend to be a little bit, I can, there's a way I can manipulate emotions to favor me. And apparently it's something that I picked up from being abused. And so I'm putting that out there and maybe encouraging those like others like me. Nobody should have to withstand your, your bad behavior just because you've been abused. It's sad that that happened to you, but then you need to be able to break that cycle because if not, sadly and ironically enough, you might end up being kind of like the way you, you might end up being like the abuser. And you might not end up being like exactly who they were, but the tools that came with that, which is manipulation, you might end up even perfecting the hustle. And that will be the saddest thing. So I have said a lot today. I've talked about gratitude, I've talked about fears, and I've talked about toxicity. But I'm so, so thankful for, you know, all of you. This is the third episode from, you know, the podcast. And I remember when we just started, I was so wet behind the ears and didn't know much. But I'm thankful to have a platform like this. I'm thankful to be able to share stories. And so if you're listening to me and I'd like to be on the show to share your own story, please let me know. I love to have diverse voices and find ways to help people set their stories free. But all in all, thank you all for helping me keep this platform going. Like, please keep sharing the episode. That's about the only thing I would ask for you. I'm not going to ask you to give me money or send me stuff. Now, if you want to send money to the podcast, that's fine. But really, the least you can do is just to share this episode and tell your friends about it. Why you love the episode. I even write me. I love receiving comments because I get to... We get, we get to use that to advertise the show and make it, you know, even more um, known to those around us. So this has been it. And so happy birthday to me. I'm excited about, you know, turning 34. Um, age is just a number to me. As you know, I like to play a lot, most of the time. And I still think I have this childlike, wide-eyed curiosity about the world. And so what's going to be for 34 think more adventures, more stories, more connection, more openness, and of course, more love. Love you guys, and this has been the Merciful Podcast, and I remain your host, Merciful. Bye for now, and catch you on another episode of the Merciful Podcast. There are three things I do when my life falls apart Number one, I cry my eyes out and dry up my heart Not until I do this will my new life start So that's the first thing that I do when my life falls apart Hey listeners, this has been another episode of the Marcible Podcast What do you think about today's episode? you have a question or feedback you'd love to provide a suggestion for a future guest we always love to get your feedback so please do drop us a line via instagram at mostable or email us at talktomo at mostable.com your suggestion might just end up being featured on a future episode of the podcast we cannot wait to hear about from you do visit our official website at www.mostable.com that is www.mosibyl.com where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and amazing guests also if you haven't already please hop on over to apple Podcasts and subscribe 
leave us a rating or review as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and reaching more amazing listeners like you. We always appreciate your support. Thank you for always listening. The second thing I do is I close both of my eyes and say my thank yous to each and every moment of my life. I go where I know the love is and let it fill me up inside. Gathering new strength from sorrow, I'm glad to be alive. And things are looking up. And bow and I let the chapter end. I design my future bright, not by where my life has been. And I try, 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 try again. Yes, I try, 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 try again. Things are looking up.